live from Studio 6B, 8 o'clock on the East Coast on a Thursday night. Glad you're in. Lots to do tonight. What a crazy day. Crazy hearings we'll get to. Rick Delgado's here. Paul Nolan's here. Going to do the news. Slick Rick will join us in a little bit to do some sports. Lots to get to. Mr. Delgado, how are you? I'm good. I'm just, I'm just excited. Waiting for Slick Rick to come pouring himself in here. It's going to be great. (laughs) Don't get ahead of yourself (laughs) here. He said he was going out. He was going to be enjoying some adult cocktails. Yes. Yes. Having peach schnapps on the rocks. Well, he's doing his his duties. And um, I don't know what he's doing. Who knows? (laughs) We'll find out when it comes. uh, National something day. (laughs) It's not International Women's Day anymore. No, it's. I think it's International uh, Cut and Color Day. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, Yeah, it could be that. Uh, Mr. Nolan, how are you? I'm. I'm good. I, I, I honestly. The audience needs to know. Last night when I heard the International Women's Day went to a man, I honestly thought the guys would put me on. I did not know that. I was legitimately shocked. It's official. The world is over. That's it. We thought the apocalypse apocalypse was going to... That's it. It's here. How can... How could this crazy world be this crazy? Yeah, they're they're very serious people about these things. Very very serious. That was the fourth horseman of the apocalypse. Just <laughs> yeah, dressed up as a woman. That's exactly. why you didn't recognize. Unbelievable! You can't. And it was, ri- and it was riding a donkey. It really is. It's moments like this. I'm just glad my dad's dead. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's a little strong. Wow, I love okay. him. I love him, man. But boy, he would. I just love his reaction to come back right now. It's this for that one thing. Oof. Well, you, you know, again, you would think if you're going to have International Women's Day, you would think that you could at least have a definition for for one. Oh, would be like biologist. that. It'd be like the basics. Like you could define one if you're going to have a day. You're going to have a day for it. You would it's think not, you'd be able. This, to, this isn't this isn't calculus. Yeah, exactly, Joe. I'm with. I'm down with Joe on that. This isn't calculus. If you're going to have a day. You got to at least have a definition. So I just find it amazing, and of all the women on the planet, none of them qualify no, no. to be a woman. No, the dude in the dress qualifies. <laughs> right, it was the dude in the dress with bad makeup. Yeah. All right. There you go. So it's funny. Every one of the drag queens, they don't look like women. They just look like each other. <laughs> really poorly made up and poorly dressed women. Right. They yeah. look. They all look like Joy Behar. <laughs> but you're like all. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there you go. So, but we're all supposed, you know, you're supposed to sp- suspend reality. Yeah, don't you know that's beautiful, you so, misogynist? Uh, lots to get to tonight. Biden's budget was released today. Oh, and um, <laughs> as I told you yesterday, now none of it's going anywhere, thank God, obviously, because it's got to go through the, through the House and it's not going to go anywhere, which makes it all the more, um, well, it's just one big political sideshow. I listen, by the way, let me just say this. I told Gio this when I got in. I don't think I've ever listened to Biden in the car because I'm always watching crazy, you know, with the crazy towns right. we do. And uh, I'm always just watching them on TV or on YouTube. Did you almost in, crash? In preparation for the show. To just listen to him on the audio in the car, it, it's, like, it's, like, it's like this. It's like, oh, he goes from one thing to another. And when you're not watching him and you're just listening, it's worse. Just listening to him. It's like you, you, if you, you also have to hear all the parts I normally cut out. Oh, yeah. yeah. I get to hear all the parts you normally cut out, but he's just, he is so all over the place. All over the place. Just to listen to the audio is like, oh my God, what am I listening to? 
It's worse than watching it, and I didn't think that was possible. Hmm. Oh, my God. I almost drove off the road a couple times. <laughs> so we'll get to that. By the way, the crazy town tonight, just to let you know how crazy his speech was, today's nine minutes long. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> nine minutes. Crazy well, town tonight. Let's just do it in the next segment. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, we could because Slick Rick's not here, so. That's like a, it's like a stairway to heaven for a rock station. Yeah, that, that yes. means somebody's going to the bathroom. Yes, this is the uh, dashboard light version of uh, Crazy Town tonight <laughs> by Meatloaf, whatever it's called, the nine minute version. This is the this is the extended radio version, um, and of course his budget's just like I said, it's just an an attack on upward mobility, an attack on capitalism, an attack on success. The idea that we're going to tax unrealized capital gains is the most insane thing I've ever heard of. The most insane thing I've ever heard of. If you have a painting in your attic, let's say, and it valued at, um, well, who knows what? $100,000 because it's some rare, a million dollars because it's some rare thing you find out. Well, the IRS is going to come calling for that under the Biden's new budget. Now, you haven't sold it. You haven't done anything with it. It's sitting in your attic. It's a family heirloom you didn't know was there. Well, not only does he want to double the capital gains tax, but he wants you to pay unrealized capital gains tax. So he wants you to pay on the value of it now, not when you sell it. Not when you sell it. He wants you to pay on it now. My, my question with that, because, you know, okay, so you don't sell it now. Say, say you know, we've got the original, uh, the original phone, the, the Zen phone, right? The hotline. Yeah. Say that's an heirloom. Oh, yeah, of course it is. Right? Yep. So, so there it is. Um, he wants you to pay, you know, now it's worth twice of, of what it used to be worth. Yeah. Uh, you got to pay you, the capital gains you on You got to pay the capital. What Before about Before they're unrealized. Year? What about next year, though? Yeah, when it and dives. you still have it because you didn't sell it. Well, someone's going to have to come value it again. And if it's gone up, guess what? You have to pay again. That's right. On the, whatever the difference is, whatever it's gone up. So then say year number three on uh-huh. Zenphone, all of a sudden uh, something happens and Zenphone loses its value. Now yeah. it's down to a half of what it used to right, be Right. So now you can, yeah. gonna write, you're going to write that off against other things that have gone up to offset your, your unrealized capital gains, just like you do now. And capital gains. But right now you get taxed on capital gains that you actually realize. You sell the stock. You do you there's some transaction. And who's gonna be the arbiter to say, you know what, Zenphone is worth this much? Oh well. I mean that's, is that, that's we're gonna leave that to the government. Is we're, that, is that yeah. the deal? we're gonna trust them. We're who's gonna trust the IRS agents who are probably on commission. Well, we got eighty thousand new IRS agents. They gotta stay busy somehow. They're going to come look at the value of your house, the value of your uh, paintings, the value of your uh, whatever else you got. Unrealized, oh, unrealized gains. That's what Joe Biden wants. This is how we're going to raise all the money so we can pay for all the socialist Marxist programs that we want to introduce. $6.9 trillion budget. <laughs> I'm your nightmare. I'm your nightmare. Yes, Joe, you are our nightmare. But oh I'm reducing the deficit. Uh, I'm reducing this. And I'm, I'm reigning in spending. No big spending Democrats here. $6.9 trillion. Is his budget. Right, because originally he wanted to spend 9.2, so now he t- tallies that up. He's like, oh, look at how much I, s- I saved you, almost $2 trillion. That's the way they play the math game. 
The Democrats' ultimate and always messaging to you through their budget is, we do not have enough power. We need more. That's it. That's everything they're going for through every vehicle they can, this one being the budget. More swamp, more swampy, more big government, more taxes, more agenda, more power, more bureaucracy. That's all it is. It's one big attack on anything, everything. Capitalism, you as the small business owner, upward mobility, success, investment. Who's going to invest in anything having to pay unrealized capital gains? Just think about that. Think about how any small business works. You start a small business. You've got a great idea for something. Well, Wall Street loved this today. <laughs> now five or 600 points. Yeah. Unbelievable. You got a great idea. Okay, you got the next big whatever, new app, new this, new that. You're going to go out to the street to raise money. You need seed money. You're going to raise a million bucks, 10 million bucks, whatever you're going to raise. <coughs> you haven't done anything. You haven't, you haven't produced anything. You haven't uh, got created molds. You haven't do, you've just incorporated your business. You got a great idea. You put a pitch deck together. You go to investors. You sell it. You raise $10 million. You're going to pay unrealized capital gains on that money before you've done anything. Who's going to do that? Why would you start a company? Why would you build, try to build a business? Why would you hire people, provide jobs? Why would you invest in anything? Because they don't want small businesses hiring jobs. They don't want employing people. They want to control everyone with a UBI. They want all the drones just to go to work every day, take their uh, universal basic income, wear their gray jumpsuit, don't get out of line, do exactly what they're told, consume the crap on the TV that they force feed them, control their currency, make sure their social credit score is perfect, and we have communist China all over again globally. It's a disgrace. This is all a, a planned disgrace. It's amazing because I, I feel like I feel like I'm watching a really bad movie where the government, right, in the movie, tries to control all the people in every facet of their life, and then we look at our government, and we're looking at every agency. I can't name one agency that's actually doing anything positive for the American people. The IRS, they're taking your money. Um, education, they're dumbing down your kids. Every facet of your life seems to be under attack from our own government, which means... Maybe some of these people need to be removed from their jobs. Maybe some of these agencies need to go away. Maybe we need to shrink the federal government so it doesn't keep harming the people it's supposed to be helping. Like Ronald Reagan said, the nine most dangerous words in the English language, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Yeah, help yourself to our money, to our liberty, to our property. I mean, what's to say, you know, with the unrealized gains, hey, there's a stud athlete. There's a, what do you call it, Arch Manning. He's going to be worth, he's going to be pulling in $50 million. Why don't they just start taxing him now on his unrealized gain of yeah. what he could potentially make? Look, at the What's end, to stop them? Yeah, nothing. That's the problem. We have a completely unregulated government. This is the problem, right? If you have, when you have a, you know, a government that fears the citizens, you have liberty. And if you have a, you know, citizenry that fears the government, you have tyranny. It's just, it's just that simple. And this is what this is. This is, again, financial tyranny, and it won't stop. I mean, there has to be a revolt. Somewhere along the way, there's just got to be a tax revolt at some level. We're not paying. Everyone says, I don't comply all at once, and you see what happens then. That's the only way around this. It's just got to be uh, some, some form of an organization that stops it. But how are you going to do that with big tech and pure collusion, stopping any kind of uh, 
discussion or dialogue on this kind of evil taxation. And we'll get to that because those hearings today with Taibbi and Schoenberger were unbelievable today. Uh, we'll get to that. But David Ditch is a policy analyst uh, over at the Daily Signal, and he writes today, for more than 50 years on Biden's budget prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, federal spending averaged uh, a whisker over 20% of the economy. That temporarily spiked above 30% in 2020 and 21 due to the immense and wasteful spending spree by Congress during COVID. The country is on course to return to that excessive level of spending without war, without recession, or a pandemic as the underlying cause. Merely maintaining the status quo of allowing benefit and cronyistic programs to grow faster than the economy will grow will make emergency levels of spending the new normal under Biden's budget, which would increase spending above the baseline by $1.85 trillion over the next decade, making the problem even worse. $10 trillion in spending by 2033. All right, more on the budget, more on Biden's speech today. Plus, we'll get to the Twitter hearings, uh, which were wild. We'll get to Project Veritas. Uh, lots to do on a Thursday night, live from Studio 6B. Right, 17 past the hour, live from Studio 6B on a Thursday. Paul Nolan's going to do some news. Rick Delgado's here. Geo Fran holding it down, as always, on a Thursday night. Glad you're in on Real America's Voice. See the chat's all fired up. We'll get in there in a second as well. Make sure you sign up to join us on our inaugural Twitter spaces on Sunday night on Twitter, where you'll be able to talk to us, ask questions. We'll be able to chat. Should be fun on Sunday night, 7 p.m. And uh, we'll either do it for 10 minutes, or if it's um, or we'll go for a little longer. We'll see. Uh, depending how many of you want to show up and talk, uh, Sunday night over at Twitter on our page at LFS6B. Make sure you follow all our social media at LFS6B. Uh, Twitter, Getter, Rumble, Facebook, everywhere at LFS6B, except for Instagram where it's LFS6B Show. Uh, we're posting a bunch of great stuff. The Geo's been cutting up crazy towns, LOLs of the day. All the old stuff is going on all the social media, so make sure you follow us. And if you're on Twitter... Uh, there's a, a pinned at the top of our Twitter page at, L, at LFS6B is the Twitter spaces. So you can kind of get a reminder, put yourself in, reserve a spot. Uh, we went from 30 yesterday to, I think, 80. So now we're wow. trying to get to 80 to like three, 400, and then we'll be uh, having a good time on Sunday night. So uh, just, I just want to get back to this, do a little math so you understand some of the numbers. And, gee, you could throw this chart up here that I have. The raw numbers on Biden's budget that he unveiled today. Involved with federal budgeting are impossible to fully comprehend, which makes charts so important. In fiscal year 2022, the federal deficit was the equivalent of nearly $20,000 for a middle-class family. To carry the analogy further, this family would be already more than $447,000 in debt, but with no new assets to show for it. Any family with such an unbalanced budget would be bankrupt in no time flat. We shouldn't assume that the nation can avoid a similar fate for much longer. 
And you'll see this U.S. budget versus family budget here based on the 2022 figures. The median family income in the U.S., 70784 That's what it looks like on the chart. If a family spent money like the federal government, it would have spent 90663 a year. You're bringing home 70, you're spending 90, which means you're 19876 on the credit cards in 2022. And having said that, you're already $447,000 in debt, which is this yellow line here. That's basically the equivalent of what, of what, we're, what we're doing in this, in this country. It has been incredibly reckless for Washington insiders to assume low interest rates would be around forever. And now we see, um, we see what's going on now with federal, with the um, rates now off of zero. We've raised 450 basis points in less than a year. The Fed is talking to Biden today. Well, it brought inflation down. For, <laughs> inflation was 1.9% when he took office. It's 6.3 right now. Um, yes. And it's not even coming down as much as it has in, in, the, in the months preceding where it at least has come off of the nine number that we had at one point. So now you have 450 basis points of interest rate hikes with more to come. The Fed terminal rate's probably going to get to five and a quarter, maybe five and a half. The interest on the debt's going to be $1.6 trillion next year at this rate if, if the Fed keeps rates where they are. And he, and he proposes seven, $6.9 trillion in spending. Expansion of all kinds of democratic policies that they've tried to get through for all these years now. And he's going to pay for it by taxing the rich. <laughs> by doubling the capital gains tax. That's brilliant. By taxing unrealized gains. Back to this daily signal. With interest rates rising, the country is faced with the prospect of, de- of dedicating more than $1 trillion per year to interest payments by the end of the decade and trillions more per year not too long after that. Servicing the federal debt will soon be an anchor dragging on the U.S. economy, steadily eroding the growth and prosperity that we now take for granted. Any attempt to artificially push interest rates down would threaten to make inflation worse, squeezing families from both sides. And you here, another chart. You can see the drivers of growth spending in this country. 30% health care, 27% Social Security, 21% net interest, 17% discretionary, 4% all other mandatory Spending. Federal spending is projected to grow much faster than the economy. And you know, with the Fed, again, right now, what's the Fed trying to do? Trying to, trying to balance out uh, pricing and trying to get, in, and trying to get um, inflation down to 2%. And to do that, they need the unemployment rate to go up and they need, gro- and they need growth to slow. So you already have GDP that's going to slow because of what the Fed's doing. And, um, and now we have this budget, which is going to do nothing but, number one, make inflation worse, make everything worse, make everything worse, and he thinks he's going to pay for it by these kind of schemes. Well, the only scheme they're going to be able to use to pay for it is to print more money, because that's the only way it's going to happen. And we know that's not going to lead us down a good road. 
Well, no, not according to them. To, not according to him today. No, we're not going to print money. We're going to ta- we're going to do all this other stuff. We're going to we're going to raise umpteen billion by taxing this. We're going to do umpteen billion by putting a twenty percent mandatory tax on anybody making over X amount of dollars. We're going to tax unrealized gains, which is going to bring in the. So it's all just an attack on capitalism, <coughs> on the on on successful people, on people who drive the economy, people who create jobs, people who create products that make your life better. Those are the people that we're, we're going after. Those are the people we're going to attack. Biden is proposing $4.7 trillion, if you want to get specific, $4.7 trillion in tax increases in the budget plan. That's $35,000 per household. And this is the budget deficit chart. Wait, I thought, so, so just 35000 more for the billionaires, according to Bernie Sanders, right? Just the billionaires? Well, everybody over 400000 Somehow I don't believe that. Well, no, of course not, because he's already taxing people under that. That's how they always start their scam. Mm -hmm. Biden and his staffers love to brag about the 2022 deficit being lower than it was in 2020. This talking point is frankly misinformation. Biden's decisions have consistently made things worse. Further, the 2022 deficit was still well above the historical (laughs) average. Unless something changes, deficits will be twice the historical average by 2029, and they will keep climbing from there. Do the rich pay their fair share? Biden spent decades claiming that high-income households don't pay their fair share of taxes. This Biden's budget, the signature policy is a tax hike based on that exact assertion. Once again, reality will tell us otherwise. The top 1% of households pay more income tax than the bottom 90% combined and pay roughly twice as much in taxes relative to their share of income. The left never defines what fair share actually means other than just more. We want more. And they typically want to use that more to cover their spending increases, which is exactly what he's doing in this budget. It's crucial for Americans to understand that raising taxes on businesses and entrepreneurs, not only does it damage economic growth and private investment, but it would also utterly fail to generate enough revenue to satisfy the left's agenda. So, again, this is all an opening salvo to what's really going to matter, which is when we get to the debt ceiling conversations. That's all this is, because this is going nowhere, thank God. Because obviously the Republicans hold the House. But all this is, is a setup for McCarthy and the Republicans to say, well, here's our starting point. And McCarthy's going to have to say, here's our starting point. And, what, and who's going who's to flinch first when it comes to the debt ceiling? Because that's what this is all shaping up to be. We'll see if the Republicans give away the House and get nothing as usual, or if this time really truly will be different. All right, uh, news with Paul coming up, and we'll get into some video from the Twitter hearings today, which were really unbelievable. Live from Studio 6B on a Thursday. All 
right, 30 minutes past the hour, live from Studio 6B on a Thursday night. Glad you're in Real America's Voice. Rick Delgado is here. Paul Nolan's going to do the news. Geo Fran holding it down as always. I see all our friends in the getter chat in there. Trump 28, uh, King's Daughter 12, Mr. Man 25, Gold Digger. Uh, Rio, one, two, three, four, five. Hawker Pilots in there. Uh, good evening, Hammer Chuck. Good evening to everybody. Mama, Mama Evans is in there. Hairball, three, three, three. Love that. Uh, good <laughs> to see everybody in there. We'll get to your comments as well. Hope you're paying attention to this. Um, what we're talking about this budget because even though this budget's not going anywhere, as Miranda Devine says. Uh, one thing that Biden makes clear with this unserious budget, complete with trillions in new taxes, there's one painfully clear thing here. Biden wants all-out war with the Republicans as he promotes his progressive agenda and to hell with the economy and America's debts. So I'll get into a little bit of that as well as we continue down this road, but let's do some news first. And here with the news is Paul Nolan. News is sponsored by EarlyTreatmentMeds.com. All one word, EarlyTreatmentMeds.com. Use our promo code LFS6B for usually 10% off, but right now I believe it's 50% off site-wide. Uh, what's going on in the news, Paul? Well, I figured I'd start here. Because, uh, you know, we're always talking about, you know, trying to stop this cancel culture. Joe Rogan opens anti-cancel comedy club. Um, it's, uh, he said here, the opening line was hecklers will be alienated. Uh, the comedian and podcaster opened an anti-cancel culture comedy club called the comedy mothership in Austin, Texas this month, featuring a lineup of canceled comedians such as David Lucas, Ron White, Tim Dillon, Tony Hinchcliffe, and, uh, Roseanne Barr. And he, uh, he, first thing he said when he walked out on the stage introducing people was, I'm drunk and on mushrooms in my new club. <laughs> this is as high as I've ever been on stage. I need to connect with this moment. Uh, and then he wrote, he said, uh, you can't fire me from my own club, B-I-T-C-H. And, uh, so the, the Comedy Mothership's first show was March 7th. It was sold out. You know, uh, tickets were uh, $40, and they were being resold for $500 online. And he said, I felt compelled to do it. I never wanted to own a comedy club. And I always felt like you had to be nice to comedy club owners because you never wanted to be one of those people. But then I knew uh, when I was moving here, Austin, the capital city that, where the comedy club is, everything was already closed. I was like, maybe I should buy a club and, and or start a club. And that became my focus. So uh, he said this on the Theo Vaughn podcast. So good for him. He's, uh, again, um, you know, I think that when you see guys like this who are liberals and you know, tried and true Democrats, if you will, they're closing the the divide, which I think is as important as anything else. I know a lot of our audience members, you know, don't agree with that, but I, I really believe that the most important thing is we could stop this out of control government is when people from the left and the right can both agree that we're all getting screwed and we have to kind of stand up together. Otherwise, divide and conquer is the ultimate goal to make this work. So that was uh, the first story I thought was important. And speaking of uh, victims, uh, controversial football star Colin Kaepernick accused his white adoptive parents of perpetuating racism in a new interview. The former NFL star told CBS Chicago he had struggled growing up in a problematic household. Um, he, the details are coming out in his new graphic novel, The Change uh, the, uh, Change the Game, I guess is what it's called. Uh, I know I won't be reading it, buying it, or talking about <laughs> it after this. So I, sorry for getting it wrong, Colin. Um, I know my parents loved me, but there were still very problematic things that I went through. 
I mean, are you guys feeling very sad right now, Finn? Oh, yeah. yeah. So upset. This, this is heartbreaking. Wow. Yes. Um, he went on to say it's important to show that, no, this can happen in your own home. And how can we move forward collectively, sure. again, yeah. the word collectively, mm -hmm. yeah. addressing the racism that is being perpetuated? Yes. The graphic novel tells the story of how Kaepernick's journey from a high school in, in his storied athletic career that heavily centers around the lack of choice in his future. Yes. His parents <laughs> and, and ends lack with of $50 million that he made <laughs> right. in the NFL. That's right. so, yeah. so, oh, man. So, yeah, I mean, this is heartbreaking. I mean, this is the stuff that, like, this is the stuff that, like, Breaks your heart. You, it's hard to recover from this. I don't know how we're going to do the rest of the show, to be honest. It's been held back so yeah. much. I mean, what, what they do, they raise him in a two-family, uh, two-parent uh, uh, household. They, uh, you know, got him to college. They didn't let him join any gangs. That would be... All that oh, health insurance, electricity. Right. And, exactly. And, 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 and air conditioning. And air education. The poor yes. guy. He had toilets and everything. Anyway, <laughs> his parents toilets. particularly tried to steer him in a direction they thought was best which led to several fights between them and their adopted son. In fact, um, the, the, one of the biggest uh, disagreements over uh, was his hairstyle. Kaepernick, in an attempt to idolize basketball player Allen Iverson, wanted, his black, wanted to show his blackness by wearing cornrows, but his mother pushed back. He's getting what roles, his mother, Teresa, said. And uh, she said, also informed that, uh, that you're not going to look professional, mom said, and you're going to look like a little thug. So I, I feel terrible for Colin Kaepernick. I see the audience is hurting. Yeah. I mean, look, maybe we should have a GoFundMe page for him. I mean, this is sad. This is tragic. And I, I hope he... Uh, I hope he comes out of it okay. Maybe Sunday on the uh, on the Twitter thing that we do, everybody can you know kind of join hands and sing "Kumbaya," and maybe that's a good uh, idea. What a right? jerk! Can you believe this guy? I mean, seriously, can you believe the audacity of this guy? I, I, I just I'm so sick of this victimhood. Everyone's a victim. Yeah, what, I got news for you, kid. Everybody has problems. Everyone battles through it, and only the weak cry about it. Yeah, and what what craziness! To be a teenage boy and having your parents tell you what to do. I've never heard of such a thing. That's yeah. absurd. I can't believe my parents at one time, they told me I had to finish my dinner or I couldn't have dessert. Oh. You realize how the trauma that inflicted upon me? It's Back affecting you leaving. today. Anything else in news, Paul? <laughs> uh, yeah, big news here. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell suffered a concussion in a fall Wednesday night and will remain in a, excuse me, will remain in a hospital for a few days. Uh, the 81-year-old, by the way, another 80-plus-year-old guy. Come on, let's move on. 81-year-old uh, Kentucky lawmaker tripped and fell at the uh, dinner for the Senate Leadership Fund, the campaign committee, which he uh, aligned at the Waldorf Astoria in D.C., uh, David Pop, his spokesman, said Thursday that he was hospitalized for a few days and uh, he'll be uh, under observation and treatment. So, you know, that's about it for this segment here. Those are, yeah. those are it. Those are uh, quickies. Richard, um, Robert Spencer, excuse me, not Richard Spencer, Robert Spencer in PJ Media today asks, is it time? I'm sorry, he doesn't ask. He makes a statement. It's time for Mitch McConnell to retire. Turtle, the turtle's got to go. And he says uh, McConnell has fallen down at a hotel in Washington and is currently in the hospital. Two questions immediately come to mind, neither of which has uh, answers at this point. Number one, is this the end of the dreary McConnell era of establishment Republican Me Tooism? Number one. Number two, is there some uh, karma uh, relationship between Mitch's fall? and is throwing Tucker Carlson under the bus and affirming the left's bogus January 6th insurrection narrative. 
both of which are good questions. And Paul, Paul said it, another 80-plus-year-old who can barely get around, who's had accidents in the past and now has a concussion and is in the hospital. And you think about the Senate makeup right now. It's close enough the way it is, but you got Feinstein out, now McConnell out. Fetterman. Uh, Fetterman out. I mean, I'm sure Joe Biden just fell up some to... stairs right now as we speak. I mean, yeah, Joe Biden's 0-27 <laughs> against a set of stairs. Schumer's holding them like he's walking them down to pudding hour at the, the local, uh, <laughs> bingo lo- local bingo hall. I mean, is it time we put some people in there that just, I mean. Out of pulse? Boy, that crazy idea of term limits. Man, oh, man. And, of course, McConnell. Well, you know how I feel about him. I don't wish bad on anyone, of course. I do. He probably speaks <laughs> he probably speaks perfect English now. Now he doesn't now he doesn't mumble anymore. But um Spencer and PJ Media says whether or not Mitch recovers fully and resumes his role as leader of the Democrat controlled opposition, there ought to be lessons in this for him. When people get very old and frail. They begin to be susceptible to falling, and those falls can be deadly. Maybe it's time for Mitch to retire to his old Kentucky home. Ooh, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Kadago on, on the Getter Chat says, I, it goes so fast. Tough for, for McConnell to stand without a spine. <laughs> yes. That's good. That's, that is good. Um, and as I just pointed out, and, ha- and as he points out, Newsweek reported, actually, I guess this morning as well, in 2019, the 81-year-old suffered a shoulder fracture after falling outside on the patio at his home in Kentucky. And he says there are going to be more falls. So he can barely speak, and now we find out he can barely walk, and now he's got a concussion, and he's and, and he's... Of course, all too welcoming to usher through everything that the Democrats want in the Senate, including $1.8 trillion omnibus bill in the lame duck session. I wonder, so, I wonder if he's going to end up with one of those black eyes that we see on some of these people. Oh, boy. Here we go. <laughs> I'm just asking a question. Uh, well. And he says... Um, Mitch McConnell is nine months older than Joe Biden. Think about that. You think about the shape that Biden's in. McConnell's nine months older than Biden. That's crazy. So just just crazy. He's such a disaster in the Senate. Again, I don't I don't wish you know I don't want this to happen to him. But um I think Mr. Spencer's correct. It's long past time for Mitch McConnell to just pack it up, put a little pin on you that says, I used to be Mitch McConnell, <laughs> wheel him out to the dog track so he can watch the horses run around and the dogs run around the track or whatever, and, and that's it. It's enough. Enough. Fun. Joe can go with him. Schumer can go with him. Feinstein can go with him. And I could probably list about six, seven others that, I could, that you could all take out to the dog track. Because that's what time it is. It's dog track time for all of them. <laughs> dog track. I mean, just get out of here. It's enough. <laughs> right? Yeah, dog tracks. That is such an old person thing. That is so dead on. Because that's what, that's uh, basically you just sit them down 
and they watch the world go by. That's, that's it. it. He's little, at that point. Pen. I used to yeah. be, and so everybody knows. Yeah. And that's it. Just get him out of here. Just It's time to move on to the la- next part of your life. Yeah, it could almost be like a petting zoo. Oh, look, this used to be... Uh, <laughs> yeah, rope him off and a... charge admission. Right, exactly. Oh, yeah, look, there's, there's Chuck. There's Diane. She had the Chinese spy driver for 50 years and didn't know about it. I still believe she knew every bit of it, and she was getting paid quid pro quo money to pass on every possible thing to a Chinese cohort. I still think she was in on it. There's no way you can be that stupid, can you? And if you're that stupid and incompetent, you got to go for any route. Richard Shelby, he just left. He's in, he was in the middle of these niggas. Think about these people. We've got 80, 90-plus-year-olds making decisions for 330 million people that can barely walk or talk. <laughs> it's really, it's just a, it's an enough. Enough. Get them out. And then there's Hank Johnson. Yeah, which proves that maybe maybe youth is, doesn't doesn't necessarily maybe doesn't necessarily make it any better. That's a good point. Miss Feinstein, could you please talk it to Flower? Come on, she's like, just she not serious people, man. So there was a hearing today on the weaponization of government, and it was really um, fascinating, stunning. A lot of, lot of, lot of adjectives you could put to describe it. It was um, wild at times. I think the best place to start, though, is to hear a little bit from the two witnesses in their opening statement. Um, Michael Schellenberger and Matt Taibbi. Let's play Schellenberger's opening statement first. G, roll that. Chairman Jordan, Ranking Member Plaskett, members of the committee, thank you very much for inviting my testimony. In his 1961 farewell address, President Dwight Eisenhower warned of, quote, the acquisition of unwarranted influence by the military-industrial complex. Eisenhower feared that the size and power of the complex, or cluster, of government contractors and the Defense Department would, quote, endanger our liberties or democratic processes. How did he mean that? Through, quote, domination of the nation's scholars by federal employment, project allocations, and the power of money, he feared public policy would become the captive of a scientific technological elite. Eisenhower's fears were well-founded. Today, American taxpayers are unwittingly financing the growth and power of a censorship industrial complex run by America's scientific and technological elite, which endangers our liberties and democracy. I'm grateful for this opportunity to offer this testimony and sound the alarm over the shocking and disturbing emergence of state-sponsored censorship in the United States of America. Mm. The Twitter files, state attorneys general lawsuits, and investigative reporters have revealed a large and growing network of government agencies, academic institutions, and non-governmental organizations that are actively censoring American citizens often without their knowledge, on a range of issues. 
I do not know how much of the censorship is coordinated beyond what we have been able to document, and I will not speculate. I recognize that the law allows Facebook, Twitter, and other private companies to moderate content on their platforms, and I support the right of governments to communicate with the public, including to dispute inaccurate information. But government officials have been caught repeatedly pushing social media platforms to censor disfavored users and content. Often these acts of censorship threaten the legal protection social media companies need to exist, Section 230. If government officials are directing or facilitating such censorship, notes one law professor, it raises serious First Amendment questions. It is axiomatic that the government cannot do indirectly what it is prohibited from doing directly. Moreover, we know that the U.S. government has funded organizations that pressure advertisers to boycott news media organizations and social media platforms that refuse to censor and or spread disinformation, including alleged conspiracy theories. The Stanford Internet Observatory, the University of Washington, the Atlantic Council's Digital Forensic Research Lab, and Graphica have all inadequately disclosed ties to the Department of Defense, the CIA, and other intelligence agencies. They work with multiple U.S. government agencies to institutionalize censorship research and advocacy within dozens of other universities and Let's just, just stop it for a second. I just, <laughs> I just want to point out right there in that shot, Garcia on the right, which you'll hear from a little later. Man, what a moron she is. These are elected officials. Now, if you've been listening to this opening statement and then you're an elected official, wouldn't you think that you would be paying attention to every single word that this guy's saying? Number one, both of these guys, I think, are you can easily say are Democrats. Neither one voted for Trump. Neither one would probably vote for most Republicans, both of these guys. But both journalists trying to get to the bottom of this, who, who found themselves in this situation to go through all these communications and emails and try to get to the bottom of this, and you would think every person elected to office sitting up there, knowing this was happening today, would, number one, be actually, actually paying attention, and number two, have questions that further the idea of trying to get to the bottom of what happened. And it couldn't have been further from the truth. The Democrats today in this hearing, um, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like they didn't know what to do to have a journalist in front of them that wasn't in the tank for them already. They had no idea what to do. They were un-American. They were... Um, well, I mean, I'll just play the clips. You'll see what some of them asked them to try, trying to reveal sources, accusatory of, of, of um, uh, you know, of their journalistic integrity. It was just absolutely, they, just, they had no idea what to do because the journalists in front of them just weren't in the tank for them. And they're not used to that. And it's not just the journalists in the tank for, for them, right? These are people from the left. These are people from the left or, or, Supporting the old axioms of the left, free speech, civil rights, um, you know, uh, you know the, the, the civil liberties, you know, the things that you kind of counted on the left back in the 60s, 70s and 80s. Right. But that is flipped now, is it not? Con and, this, and that shouldn't be a right left thing. Anything to do with the Bill of Rights or the Constitution in general. But the fact that these guys really were, especially Taibbi, right, was Rolling Stone guy. He's always yep. fully on the left. Right. Yep. Uh, Schellenberger too was moderate left. True. Yes. And now he you, says it, and he's asked by Jim Jordan. And and that's what one of the things I guess 
like has to explode their brains that they can, that these people are traitors to their uh, religion or to their deities. They were they were angry. They were combative. They were desperate. They were un-American. They had no substantive answers whatsoever. No substantive responses to the Twitter files and the revelations of what was going on. Now, was Daniel Goldman called out? For, he was he was kind of lying and spewing. Well, Jim Wapo Jordan had to read an email to him and say, "What are you What are you talking about?" He's like, "There's no example. We'll get. To, we get, we have it. We have all of it." Yeah. My, my I question, didn't see the Jim Jordan. My question to this is: is if you just back up just a few seconds, and I know why you stopped it because they're so disinterested in what he's saying. Meanwhile, what he is saying should have their jaws on the floor. You would think because it's it goes against everything. Look at this. Of what right. the Constitution and what this country stands for, especially when it comes to the press. And and the truth and these two dimwits are just sitting there like oh oh no what are, what are we going to ask these guys? She's looking at her questions to see yeah. what she's going to ask. Right. Meanwhile, I'll just give you a little hint. She has no idea what like Substack is. She has no idea who Barry Weiss is. That she was from a journalist at the New York Times before she left. She has no no idea about anything, literally anything. And all she wants Taibbi to do is give up his sources. Right. She Give wants, up his sources. She wants to come off as, as the tough guy. Like, look at me. Look at me extracting my pound of flesh here. Fully on the attack. And you think, you'd think these morons would know that if they get their way and they completely succeed in their quest to stop the free distribution of thoughts and truth and words, it's going to turn on them one day. And the, the, the fact that they have zero common sense and can't see three feet down the line, let alone you know, a foot in front of their face. It's, it's, it's shocking to me, the stupidity of these people. Well, it's funny you say that because this is exactly what's happening. It's now turned on them, and they don't know what to do. Mm. Well, Go ahead, um, G. Finish a little more of this. Yeah. Thanks. It is important to understand how these groups function. They are not publicly engaging with their opponents in an open exchange of ideas. They aren't asking for a national debate over the limits of the First Amendment. Rather, they are creating blacklists of disfavored people and then pressuring, cajoling, and demanding that social media platforms censor, deamplify, and even ban the people on those lists. The censorship industrial complex combines established methods of psychological manipulation, some developed by the U.S. military during the global war on terror, with highly sophisticated tools from computer science, including artificial intelligence. The complex's leaders are driven by the fear that the internet and social media platforms empower populist, alternative, and fringe personalities and views which they regard as destabilizing. Federal government officials, agencies, and contractors have gone from fighting ISIS recruiters and Russian bots to censoring and deplatforming ordinary Americans and disfavored public figures. Importantly, the bar for bringing in military-grade government monitoring and speech-countering techniques has moved from, quote, countering terrorism to, quote, countering extremism to countering simple misinformation, otherwise known as being wrong on the Internet. The government no longer needs a predicate of calling you a terrorist or an extremist to deploy government resources to counter your political activity. Mm. The only predicate it needs is simply the assertion that the opinion you expressed on social media is wrong. These efforts extend to influencing and even directing conventional news media organizations. Since 1971, when the Washington Post and New York Times elected to publish classified Pentagon papers about the war in Vietnam, journalists have understood that we have a professional obligation to report on leaked documents whose contents are in the public interest. And yet in 2020, the Aspen Institute and Stanford Cyber Policy Center urged journalists to, quote, break the Pentagon Papers principle and not cover leaked, leaked information to prevent the spread. All right, hold it there, G. Let's hit the break. Hour two coming up. 
crazy town. Biden's speech today about his BS budget. And we'll get to Matt Taibbi's opening statement and then some of the hilarity that ensued. Hour two live from Studio Six B on a Thursday night. Glad you're in. Paul Nolan's doing some news. Rick Delgado's here. Geo Friend holding it down as always. Good to see everybody in the Getter Chat. Thanks for joining us as always right here on Real America's Voice. Steve Haney says breaking news: Air Force One to install an escalator after Biden falls up the stairs for a third time. So probably not a bad idea. Was that little one thing, of those chair lifts? That yeah, goes with up a little the rascal yeah. thing that goes up. Exactly. Um, Good to have you in. So let's uh, let's do Crazy Town, G. We talked about the budget in the opening uh, opening segment, and we went through some of the charts of what a disaster it is. And again, the budget's going nowhere. This is just all politics with Biden and the Democrats. But it is a, um, you know, it's just a warning shot, and it's a setup for what's going to be the real fight, and that's going to be the debt ceiling, which, as I've told you, is from 2015, as long as I've been doing this show, Mitch McConnell and the, and, the, and the Republicans have consistently got their ass kicked when it comes to the debt ceiling, when it comes to anything power of the purse, when it comes to anything on the budget. Uh, they give up all their leverage. They get nothing for it. And we continue to get more debt, higher debt ceiling, higher debt ceiling, higher debt ceiling, and nothing for it. So what we went through to have Kevin McCarthy become the Speaker of the House uh, and the 21 or 22 of them who are holding out, uh, you know, one of the big things we kept hearing about was the debt ceiling and then what we were going to do in the debt ceiling. Well, now the, you know, now it's going to become put up or shut up time come June because that's when this is going to come to a head. And, um, and basically that's, this is the first salvo from the Democrats in, in, into that, into that discussion. And Biden said, you know, Biden's all up on his high horse today. I'll make, I talked to the speaker and I told him I'll meet tomorrow if he wants on his. Uh, here's my budget. You come with your budget and we'll uh, we'll talk tomorrow. Yeah. And so. Um, so we'll see. This is where the Republican this is where we're going to see if it's any different or if it's just the same old story every single time. We're going to raise the debt ceiling. What are we going to get for it? We're going to get a closed southern border. We're going to get what are we going to get? We're going to get reduced spending because that's what we have. We have a spending problem here. We don't have a we don't have a um, we don't have an income problem. We don't have a taxation problem. There's plenty of money coming in. We have a spending problem. That's what we have. And uh, we'll see. Uh, but here it is, Crazy Town. Biden's hour-long speech broken down to the funniest, or maybe not funniest, or something. Nine minutes. Biden's budget. G. Crazy Town. Roll it. Hey, you know what? I don't know. His mom's watching, Tina. Who? Tina? I don't know. I wish you were here. I could meet you, but they say they speak with a little bit of an accent in Southern Delaware, talk at you like this, you know what I mean? You look at that fellow and you say, You've done good with that boy. You know, uh, I've told your son, he's got good blood. (laughs) 
<laughs> when I grew up, <laughs> my dad's kitchen table, not a whole lot trickle down, trickle down economics into my oh, kitchen my table for my dad. Right. I'm not going to uh, lay out the entire budget. That would take the rest of the day. But no, it's a detailed budget. But I want to give you the contours of what we're for and how it was, how it's uh, in stark contrast to what appears to be what the other team is for. It's not just whether inflation. We brought down inflation seven months in a row. We're going to whip it. Please. But in the meantime, there's other ways to take what is inflation in your budget. I just met, I won't embarrass them by pointing out, I don't want, I don't have permission, but I just met a what? woman who has health care costs that are $600,000 a year, $7,000 a month. It's going to oh, save the government. It's going to reduce the deficit. That's calculated. $160 billion. <laughs> These guys keep saying, how are you going to cut the deficit? Well, guess what? If your tax dollars don't have to go out paying all that exorbitant price for Medicare to drug companies, and it's rational, it's going to save $160 billion in tax dollars. Talk about being deprived of your dignity. Where do these numbers come from? Well, God anymore. The MAGA Republicans want to take away the law. They're one of the things they've announced. They want to do away with the Inflation Reduction Act. Okay, well, we have a difference in budget ideas, man. More than budget ideas, but anyway, I could tell the story, and my dad would probably be mad yeah, he, my telling him were he alive. Uh, we lived story. in a three-bedroom split-level home. Nice, I mean, it was a nice home. We were a middle-class family with four kids and a grandpa. And the bed, my headboard was against in the room with my, <laughs> myself and my two brothers. It was against the wall my dad was. My dad was really restless. He could hear it one night. He could hear the bed. <laughs> Folks, no one can deny we have a climate crisis. You have all these what? environmental See, problems that's that just are what I heard so in the car. profound, like, they're hard to deny. That's why I took the most aggressive action ever in all of history in any country to take on the climate crisis by lowering your home energy bills, which well, MAGA Republicans that? voted against. You haven't we've done got, yeah. We've now gotten to the point where Wait. it's cheaper to generate electricity from wind and solar than this from coal and or fossil Liar. fuels. And I'm from Scranton. That's not true. Heat pumps, That's a lie. The new heat pumps. They can heat the whole damn house. No, I'm serious. Not a joke. Oh, stop. Well, see, that's if how you, you need a heater or you need to buy one of those heat pumps, you get a tax credit for doing it. We're going to go all electric. And that's going to save billions of gallons of gasoline burning into the air. It's not only going to save the environment, it's going to help create really good paying jobs. We're providing tax credits for folks who buy electric vehicles. It's not only right the right thing to do, but it's cheaper on the taxpayer. Right. My, you know, my wife, Jill, who's, in, who's a Philly girl, <laughs> if I didn't root like hell for every Philadelphia team, I'd be sleeping alone. Oh, you think I'm kidding. Jimmy knows my... Oh, whoa. <laughs> Jim, anyway, what? So Jimmy knows how I've increased my budget. Jimmy the knows how I sleep and have his own. 12 million jobs, more than two years than any president's done in four years. We have the world's leading economy. We have the world's best roads, bridges, ports, airports. If yeah, we, when Germany we were back that. in leading the world, <laughs> we and you about the ports. are going to spend, we're going to spend $1.2 trillion over 10 years to rebuild the infrastructure of this country. How can you lead the world if you have second-rate ports, highways, 
drinking water, et cetera. Yeah, but you just said We're delivering high-speed internet to every home in America, so no parent has to drive up to the McDonald's parking lot to help do the homework with their kid because they can't get on the internet. But here's the deal. I've been criticized for this next piece. I probably criticized for a lot before that, too, but for this next piece. You know, I wonder how many people knew, talked about, quote, the supply chain before the pandemic. Everybody knows the supply chain is now. We're going to be at the beginning of the supply chain, not the end of the supply chain. Intel came to me and said they wanted to invest. (laughs) They're going to invest $20 billion. It's already started. To build two chip fabs, they call them, factories. Well, guess what? It's going to create 12,000 jobs. Excuse me. Yeah, I think it's 12,000. But my budget's about more than chips. It's about science as well. Like I said, we said to 2% of our gross domestic product, we're doing research today. It's now less than, we're getting closer to 1%, but it's less than 1%. MAGA Republicans are calling for defunding the police department and defunding the FBI now. That's a good one. I like that one. We talk about about crime. Well, it's outrageous. My budget invests in public safety, and we're going to fund proven strategies for accountable, effective community policing so cops and know the communities they serve, where they know the people, where they stop in, and they know the guy who owns the liquor store. They know the preacher who runs the local school, the, the local ministry. The, the they local know the person ministry. who runs the local grocery store. Yeah, that guy. When we did that in the Biden crime bill, crime pers- just plummeted. When I suddenly made sure the cops gave their phone numbers to people in the neighborhood with a commitment they'd never say where they got the information. And guess what? It's crazy. Violent crime dropping. She could pick up the phone and call what? and say, Sorry, speak up, sir. Outside. I can hear them. They're talking about this. We're going to do. What? I will protect Social Security and Medicare without any change. I won't allow them to be gutted or eliminated, Ugh. as MAGA Republicans threaten to do. MAGA Republicans. Republicans' proposal is not an answer. On Social Security, my budget will not cut benefits. And it will definitely won't sunset programs like some of my MAGA Republican friends want to do. Well, yeah, when those folks stand up, they're liar, liar, Biden's a liar. That gentle lady from the state of Georgia, mountains there. Well, no, 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 I didn't say for that reason, but here's the deal. Well, guess what? They're all on camera. (laughs) (laughs) I'm counting on them keeping their word. But just in case they don't, I'm around. Anyway, and the budget I'm introducing today is going to reduce the deficit by nearly $10 billion, or $3 billion, or a trillion dollars <laughs> over the billion, gazillion, Another big disagreement with my MAGA Republicans, and by the way, a lot of, this ain't your father's Republican Party. We paid, in a so-called no, it's, PPP it's program, party. we paid significant, I think it's $900 billion. That's made up. I think it, don't hold me that number. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. On exactly. anybody who had tough time with their Every business. Every number. In the pandemic. You rehearsed that? So they could pay employees. They could do the... But guess what? You may remember, I college, was running so for office at the time, the but you all may remember it, that the, I had a big fight with uh, the former president uh, and maybe future president. Bless me, Father. Anyway, now, all, 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 all kidding aside, and folks, over the last two years, we made a lot of things, this, that uh, a lot of progress with Republican help as well. <laughs> so. Sadly, yeah. 
From what I'm hearing, House representatives these days, they're suggesting that cooperation may have come to an end. That's why I talk about the MAGA Republicans. This is not your father's Republican Party, as I said before. MAGA Republicans are threatening to default on the national debt. I just laid out the bulk of my budget. Republicans in Congress should do the same thing. My Republican friends said they want to reduce the deficit, but they did the math. We did the math on what they've put forward so far. And our estimate, I'm happy to be proven wrong, they will, they, they will, my plan is going to reduce the deficit by $3 trillion over 10 years. Yeah, sure. Based on what we know so far about their plan, it's going to ex- explode the deficit <laughs> yeah. by more than $3 trillion over the next 10 years. Oh, wow. If I'm wrong, show me. I have never been more show optimistic me. about America's future than I am today. I mean that sincerely. As you can tell, I've only been around a few years. Get the hook. <laughs> like 400. Was that nine minutes or ninety oh, minutes? Did he just <laughs> did he just say he's going to lose to Trump? Yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty much. That's so. what I heard. I think and he, he also said a uh, staggering number of one hundred million gazillion 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 gazillion. Anytime he gives you a number, you get, it's made this up. This whole staff ah, just starts shaking. There's not one number he gives you that is an actual number that somebody gave him. This is in calculus. They fire, they fire every speechwriter who puts a number in it. Oh. What did I tell you about putting numbers in his speeches? It's Ron Burgundy all over again. Oh, my God. Ooh, what a walking, talking disaster. When talking is, you know, kind of here, no, there. But what a disaster. I swear That's... he talks to people who he thinks are there who are not really there. Yeah. I think there's no doubt about it. Yeah. I think he thinks there's other people on the stage with him. <laughs> he sees them there. That's what I I think he's talking to people who he thinks are right there on the stage. Well That's why he does his Frank Sinatra deal with the microphone. That's what I think. All right, live from Studio 6B, Slick Rick's in the house. We'll do some sports when we get back. Plus, we'll do some more news. We'll get back to the Twitter hearings and get to some of the craziness right after this. Studio 6P on a Thursday night, 17 past the hour. Glad you're in. Slick Rick's here. He's going to do some sports. Paul Nolan's going to do some news. Rick Delgado's here. Geo Friend holding it down as always. We'll try to get back to the Twitter files. We'll hear a little bit of Matt Taibbi's opening statement, and then we'll get to the good stuff because um, it got it got wild. So uh, Slick Rick's here. Slick Rick, first of all, how was your event? Fantastic, Big D. Had a nice dinner tonight. Sorry I'm running a little bit late, but I am here. I didn't want to miss the show. I knew Paul Nolan was in the studio. I never miss a show. It was like a Halley's Comet sighting. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to be accused of pulling a Nolan tonight, not being here. Yeah. So come on. Uh, sports is brought to you by Mike Lindell and MyPillow, MyPillow.com slash LFS6B. Use our promo code LFS6B at checkout. Slick Rick, what's going on? All right, I'll get the scores in the next segment, but I'm back to the rodeo, Big D. You know I love the Houston rodeo, NRG. Stadium right through the 19th Big D, right through the Sunday night. We'll have a full recap on Monday. We'll have a report tomorrow night. But right now, Thursday night, we're in Super Series 3 at NRG. Bareback riding KC Field. 80 hit, four and a half points on Survey Championship Rodeos. Mighty Mouse picked up three G's. Steer Wrestling, Clayton Haas, five seconds flat. Team Roping. We have uh, Nelson Wyatt and Justin Davis, 5.2 seconds. Also, three grand. Saddle Brock, Logan 
Hay, 83 and a half points on Calgary Stampede's Sergeant Whitney. And uh, let's see, Tyler Ropen, Adam Gray, 11 and a half seconds. And Bauer Racing, Stevie Hillman, 14.66 tenths. Excellent score. And Bull Riding, last but not least, Jeff <laughs> Askey, and you shall receive 79 points on Survey Championship Radio's Raging Cajun. So we'll keep it rocking. 1,951,440 smackaroos on this rodeo. If you're in that Texas area, take a ride on down and get to that rodeo this weekend. In fact, Big D, I ran into somebody yesterday, uh, one of my clients, and he saw my boots. And he goes, I was just at the Houston rodeo. So I went through the whole thing, NLG Rodeo, Stetson Wright. He goes, man, your boots would have went right with it right with that place. And I said, well, my man Big D's getting a cowboy hat down there. I got it today, by the way. Did, Did you? you? Where is the it? The Stetson came in the mail. Oh, man. No, no, we don't see it tonight. Well, I got to get it, you know, I got to, I can't just, you know. <laughs> you got to worship it. Got to get it blocked. Got to get it, <laughs> okay. got to get it shaped. Just put it on. Can't Come on, Big Put D. it on. Look out of the box. Come on. It's amateur hour. When are we going to see it? Next week, maybe? Well, we'll see. I don't know. All right. Come it's on. look like Hop Along. All right. Well, here, here's oh, somebody man. I know you I guys. too cool for schools. <laughs> it's hop along, kiss at each. Yeah, I'm going to have to get a hat now. All right. Here we go. Everybody loves this guy. Oh, boy. Colin Kaepernick accuses his adoptive white parents of perpetuating racism. Uh, hold Don't on. tell me you covered this in the first oh, We sure I did. I knew you got You know I love you. Steal my thunder all the time on this show. Well, there listen. You go. All right. No next story. All right. Well, Colin Kaepernick, we know what he is. So, anyway, you covered that. You got the whole thing, the fro and the whole go. Yeah, we all agree that we feel bad for him. Slick Rick. Yeah, well, you know, he was in the all that. Food and electricity. <laughs> yeah, those Fifty parents. million dollars playing right. football in a country that only you could do that in. Yeah, it was terrible. I had a feeling you guys would grab that. That's why I backed it up with some other stories. But here's another sad story. Texas Tech coach Mark Adams resigns after using Bible quote about slavery to encourage player. Now, I reported on this story a little bit earlier in the week. I believe last Friday, actually. And this is Warner Todd Houston of Breitbart. But Texas Tech Red Raiders men's basketball head coach Mark Adams has resigned after being suspended for what school officials said was an inappropriate, unacceptable, and racially insensitive comment when he used a Bible quote about slaves minding their masters to encourage a player. During a training session earlier this month, Adams quoted a Bible passage about workers, teachers, parents, and slaves serving their masters. The coach's attempt to encourage a player by using the reference was quickly deemed offensive. Adams, uh, who began coaching at Texas Tech back in 2021, was suspended on March 5th for the incident. Now... He has resigned. My lifelong goal was to help and be positive, a positive influence on my players and to be a part of the Texas Tech men's basketball team, Adams said in a statement, according to Fox News. However, both the university and I believe this incident has become a distraction for the Texas Tech men's basketball team and the university, which I care so deeply about. On Sunday, Adams uh, tried to explain to Stadium Sports site that he was uh, just quoting a scripture in his discussion with the player. I said that in the Bible, Jesus talks about how we all have bosses and we are all serving. Servants, Adams told Stadium. I was quoting the Bible about that. Stadium quoted that Adams said he was uh, quoting the book of Ephesians 6, 5 through 9, the version of the description in the uh, New International Version. And anyway, I won't get into the whole scripture, but it all appears. Uh, it also appears that there was a clash between the school and Adams over whether he should apologize, not apologize. And uh, in his statement on his suspension, the school claimed Adams apologized to the players for quoting the Bible, but Adams later told Stadium that he did not apologize. Assistant coach Corey Williams uh, was named interim coach and Fox noted that Texas Tech finished the regular season 16 and 16 overall and 5 and 13 in the Big 12 Conference. So I'm sure his record didn't have, didn't help him much. But still, in all, here's a guy. You know, coach takes his team, wants to say something, quotes the Bible. You think he was committing a crime? Apparently, he was. Crazy. Crazy. And, uh, one one of the one of the That's things horrifying. we'll get to. This uh, what's her name is from Texas as well. This represents Garcia. So I mean, I don't know. 
crazy when you these coming out of texas no less yeah the Bi- right i mean that's like bible belt right yeah. i mean really let's be honest i mean come on it's great so that's a wrap in sports big deal i'll have some scores i got a nascar update on chase elliott's broken leg then we'll get into that in the next segment what, the one thing you can never do with the left is apologize because yeah. it's just no. you might as well i mean come on just yeah. stop because nope. that's going to get you nowhere so nope. uh all right let's do some news thanks to kirk we'll do some more sports before we wrap it up tonight let's do some news and here with the news is paul nolan news is brought to you by earlytreatmentmeds.com one word early treatment meds uh, use our promo code LFS6B for 50% off. I just checked it to make sure I was right, and it is. It's still 50% off. Uh, if you're looking for the early treatment pack with ivermectin and other things in it, you can get it there, earlytreatmentmeds.com, LFS6B for 50% off site-wide. What's going on, Paul? So uh, a secretive faction of Mexico's notorious golf, notorious golf cartel apologized and turned in five members of their gang who are responsible for kidnapping the uh, Americans in broad daylight. The cartel Scorpions group uh, said it decided to turn over those who were directly involved and responsible in the events related to the March 3rd abduction of four Americans in the border city of uh, Matamoros, uh, according to a letter leaked from the Associated Press. The letter claimed that the five members acted under their own decision-making and lack of discipline uh, when they attacked victims uh, Latavia uh, McGee, Shaheed Woodward, Zindel Brown, Eric James Williams. So the, this is a cartel with a heart, and uh, I think we should all be happy that they've behaved so nicely, um, turning in the kill the the, the people who abducted and uh, killed two of the uh, victims. So I just find it just. I mean, this is the world we're in right now. It's just crazy. The the cartel with a heart. So, um, and then there was this in uh, just the news: the House passes bill to protect free speech from the government interference. Um, the GOP House uh, passed a protected uh, speech from Government Interference Act on Thursday. The bill passed with 219 votes. Kentucky GOP uh, James Comer, chairman of the House Oversight and Government Accountability Committee, sponsored the Protecting Speech from Government, Government Interference Act, which set standards that employees acting in their official capacity should neither take action within their authority or influence or promote the censorship of any lawful speech nor advocate a third party, including a private entity, uh, census uh, such speech. Uh, the vote on the legislation comes uh, the House Subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government held uh, a hearing on the politi- politicization of the FBI and the DOJ and attacks on American civil liberties. Uh, you think this uh, is going to go anywhere? I mean, uh, no. Yeah. Well, what's crazy is that 206 Democrats voted against it. How can you vote against such a thing? Uh, How can anyone vote against the weaponization of, of, it's just to me, it's just unbelievable. And then when it goes back the other way, the whole thing is such a joke. Well, wait till you see the behavior of some of these on the panel today. You'll know exactly how they could vote against it. It's stunning to me. You'll know exactly how they could vote against it. So we'll we'll get to some of that. Uh, we'll get to the LOL of the day as well when we get back. Um, our friends from Sky News have been trying to figure out uh, Joe Biden in some of these speeches. Maybe they've been watching Crazy Town. I don't know. But uh, they've been trying to figure out Joe Biden, and they've, uh, well, they've pretty much given up trying to figure out what he's saying. <laughs> we'll get to that. That's pretty funny. And again, we'll get to Matt Taibbi. We'll get to Jim Jordan. And we'll get to, um, well, even before their opening statements, all, all hell broke loose with Jim Jordan and the ranking member Plaskett from the Democrats. So we'll get to that as well. So we'll do that when we get back. Live from Studio 6B on a Thursday night.
right, 30 minutes past the hour on a Thursday, live from Studio 6B, Real America's Voice. Glad you're in. Uh, Slick Rick's going to do a little more sports. Paul Nolan's been doing the news. Rick Delgado's here. Geo Fran holding it down, as always. Make sure you uh, visit one of our social medias. It's on Getter and on Twitter for our Twitter spaces on Sunday night. Your chance to talk to us, ask some questions, have a good chat. Sunday night at 7. <laughs> it's our first one. We'll see how it goes. Should be, uh, should be fun. Your chance, since we don't take calls on the show, and I get a lot of requests for that, which we're not gonna, we can't do right now. Um, but this will be your chance. So this will be like taking calls on the show. Sunday night, 7 p.m. You can go to Twitter, at LFS6B. It's pinned at the top of the page. You can just click I'm interested, and it'll get you a spot on there. We'll know you're coming. Uh, we went from 30 to 80. I haven't checked it during the show to see where it's at now, but we need to get that up to a couple hundred. You think anybody's going to show up? 80 what? people? Well, I don't know, Slick Rick. Come on. Let's go. <laughs> Are you going to take uh, – you're going to – I'll like, answer any questions. Anybody recognize you tonight at your event? Uh, no. Nobody recognized me tonight. Yep. Okay. Yeah, very good. Quiet night tonight. That doesn't sound okay. like a very good event. No. Yeah, well, exactly. Was, was All right, let's get back to the uh, Twitter <laughs> hearings today because they actually got kind of wild, and they actually got wild before the two witnesses gave their <laughs> opening statement. So be, instead of playing Taibbi's opening statement, why don't we play cut one, G? So – the ranking member for the Democrat is this uh, Plaskett, and she seems pretty much like a Looney, Looney Tunes. And she immediately goes in and starts attacking the witnesses and attacking their credibility and attacking their uh, why they're there and with, are they paid to be there and all these, even before we get to hear from the witnesses. Cut one, G, roll that. Mr. Chairman, I'm not exaggerating when, when I say that you have called before you two witnesses who pose a direct threat to people who oppose them. It's what? funny when people have to go through that. Crazy exactly. This is unacceptable. George says it's I'm crazy what it. you're saying. I don't know if a lot of other people are, but just as it was unacceptable for Kevin McCarthy to provide 41,000 hours of sensitive so security footage to a biased talking wow. head Nervous. in an effort to rewrite what happened on January 6th. Nervous. This is a new Republican playbook, apparently. Mr. Risk Chairman. American safety and security to score political points. The gentlelady's we, words should be struck. We do not accuse witnesses of threatening others. That is out of line and I'm outside the rules of this down committee. That, and I can have an you don't get to determine what what's struck down. Well, you, do, you, you do get an opening statement, and it, it's and about, so let it's me about finish. over. The, the committee will suspend. We know this is because at the first hearing, the chairman claimed that big government and big tech colluded to shape and mold the narrative and suppress information and censor Americans. This is a false narrative. We're engaging in false narratives here, and we are going to tell the truth. I yield back. General Lady uh, yields back. I would just point out the consent decree was in our report. We offered your staff also the opportunity to review the FTC letters. You have not come over to review those letters. Third, the idea that I believe both of these individuals who are getting ready to testify, I believe they're both Democrats. The idea that two journalists who Did happen to be Democrats. Did you not give Democrat, that offer at uh, 8 o'clock last I'm night? Now. Your time was, rec uh, was uh, ended uh, a few Neither of us ago. are in time. I don't think they're here to help us politically. I think they're here to tell us the truth. And oh, by the way, the first FTC letter to Twitter after the first set of Twitter files, the very first question was who are the journalists you're talking to? And you guys don't care. You don't care. You, you care don't want about the, the you don't 2011 want the people to see, consent decree? You don't want the American people to see what happened. The full video 
transparency. You don't want that, and you don't want two journalists who have been named personally by the Biden administration, FTC, in a letter. The Biden administration. And you're saying is they're not here the to help FTC. us. They're here to tell their story. And frankly, I think they're brave individuals for being willing to come after they've been named in a letter from the Biden FTC. Is this your question, Tom, now? No, I'm responding to your ridiculous oh. statements you made in your, in your opening statement. Okay, well, let's <laughs> <laughs> not, you, know, you can say all the things you want. I, I did in my facts. opening statement as well as you facts. had an opening statement. The you chair. said what you needed to say in your opening statement, and I, as the ranking member, have Without used my time. Without objection, all other opening statements will be included in the record. We will introduce today's witness, Matt Taibbi. He's a journalist and author. He's one of the authors of the Twitter files, previously worked for Rolling Stone, that right-wing publication, Rolling <laughs> Stone, where so many Republicans work at. Oh, He's gosh. also written several books about American politics and culture. And of course, as I pointed out, as the Wall Street Journal pointed out yesterday on the front page, was named by the FTC. Oh, Michael Schellenberger. He's also a journalist, author, and one of the authors of the Twitter files. He's also co-founded several nonprofits, including Breakthrough Institute, Environmental Progress, oh. and the California Peace Coalition, another right-wing Republican organization, I'm sure. His work often focuses on crime and drug policy, homelessness, and the climate. We welcome our witnesses and thank them for appearing today. We will begin by swearing you in. Would you please stand and raise your right hand? Yeah. Wow. There you go. Wow. You can you tell. Jim Jordan holding court. Yeah, you you could tell. Not only are they nervous, Oof. but this is this is right over the target, and they can't get away from it because it's smack there in the face. She's sitting there, oh, that the government was suppressing, uh, you know, suppressing speech. Yeah, that's what they're doing, and they're showing it to you. They're showing you and your friends what you guys were up to. Uh, it's just, you know, we're not, and you're going to show 41,000 hours of videotape. Yeah, unedited, so people can actually see without added sounds. You hear about that? They added screams and yeah. sounds and stuff to the yeah. to the to the uh, closed circuit TV it's to get for the effect, you know, because like a laugh track for the idiots right. who have to watch exactly. bad comedies. Exactly. Yeah. And by the way, when you say they, let's be clear because this is going now. We're going into another story I wanted to cover, which I'll cover just quickly right now. When you say they. The ABC producers right. who took that did, because what we found out today, shockingly, is that Bernie Thompson, who, of course, was the chairman of the January 6th committee, with all this talk about the footage, we find out today that Benny, Tom Benny Thompson, excuse me, not Bernie, Benny Thompson says, well, they never looked at the footage Yeah, on the January 6th committee. They saw it after their ABC producers presented it. Right. Now, will this be able to, like, create mistrials and uh, get people January 6th out instantly? I mean, is there going to be any justice? But can we really talk about how sick it is? That Jonathan Turley asked that exact question today, uh, especially when it comes to the shaman, uh, which I thought I had up here, but I guess I didn't. He, sa he, he asked that exact question. Yeah, those verdicts need to be set aside. Because obviously they didn't have uh, they they didn't have the evidence they needed to to uh, to battle the the government in court. Just think about how absolutely disgusting this world is, where the, the left is so deranged that they don't want full transparency. It's absolutely I can't wrap my head around it. But meanwhile, if you were to say that to them, they are so married and so emotionally attached to their their narrative that no, this is what happened. That even if you show it to them. 
Even if you take their hand and, and walk them in like Joe Biden and show them this is exactly what happened, they'll be like, no, it can't be. They will fight at, at just to hold on emotionally because there's there's something wrong with them that, that they can't just admit. You know what? Well, they're I socialists, they're to. collectivists, and they want their collectivist socialist agenda to go through. And they know anything that can stop socialism in America will destroy their entire plan of destroy America from the bottom up and the top down. Well, I don't want even everybody know if, equally poor. I don't even know if it's that it, it, because you you made a great point of some of the people you ran into over the weekend for for the uh, for the wake that some of these people they don't even want. That's very nice, young man. You, 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 you know, he's not that bad because they want to believe it. Yeah. They just so want to believe it. Jonathan Turley says Fox News is reporting sources as saying that these videotapes were handed over to the FBI soon after January 6th. If true, the Justice Department did have the evidence and failed to turn it over to the defense as constitutionally required. So the DOJ played videotapes for the court to secure the heavy sentence against Chansley while the government allegedly withheld videotapes contradicting that account. So we've gone in a different direction here, but but yes, when you say that, who you're talking about is the ABC producer they hired to put this sham together, not the actual people on the committee, as Benny Thompson told us today. Um, All right, let's go to cut two, G, because in her opening statement, that whack job ranking member said, um, called Matt Taibbi a so-called journalist that we have in front of us. Well, Taibbi responded, cut two, roll that. My name is Matt Taibbi. I've been a reporter for 30 years uh, and a staunch advocate of the First Amendment. Much of that time was spent at Rolling Stone magazine. Uh, Ranking member Plaskett, um, I'm not a so-called journalist. Uh, I've won the National Magazine Award, the I.F. Stone Award for Independent Journalism, and I've written 10 books, including four New York York Times bestsellers. (laughs) Uh, I'm now the editor of the online magazine Racket on the independent platform Substack. I'm here today because of a series of events that began late last year when I received a note from a source online. It read, Are you interested in doing a deep dive into what censorship and manipulation was going on at Twitter? A week later, the first of what became known as the Twitter Files reports came out. To say these attracted intense public interest would be an understatement. Yeah. Cut four. Here's Plaskett. Now listen to what she asks Taibbi here. Roll that, Jay. How many emails did Mr. Musk give you access to? I mean, we... We, we went through thousands of emails. Did he give you access to all of the emails for the time we, period in which? Yeah, I, we never had a single, I never had a single request denied. And not only that, but the amount of files that we were given were so voluminous that there mm-hmm. was no way that anybody could have gone through them beforehand. And we never found an instance where anything, there was any evidence that anything had been taken out. Mm. Okay, She's so not like you, would, that you would believe that you have probably millions of emails and documents Right? That's correct? Would you uh, say? I don't million. No, I think the number's less too high. high. Yeah. Okay, 100,000? That's probably closer. Probably, yeah. probably close to 100,000 that both of you are saying. Yet, in your the Twitter files, Mr. Taibbi, you've produced only 338 of those 100,000 emails. Is that correct? That's correct, yes. And then who gave you access to these emails? Uh, Who was the individual that uh, gave you permission to access the emails? Well, the attribution for my story is sources at Twitter, and that's what I'm going to refer to. Okay. Uh, Did Mr. Musk contact you, Mr. Taibbi? 
Again, the attribution for my story is sources at Twitter. Mr. Schellenberger, did Mr. Musk contact you? Uh, actually, no. I was brought in by my friend Barry Weiss, and so this story, there's been a lot of misinformation. So Mr. Weiss brought you in. Mr. Taibbi, Ms. Ms. Weiss, Weiss, thank you. <laughs> Mr. Taibbi, have you Should had conversations no, with no, Elon Musk? I have. Okay. Uh, Mr. Taibbi, did Mr. Musk place any conditions on the would use the of the Would the gentlelady yield for a second? Uh, as long as my time is not used. Are you, are you trying to get journalists? No, I'm not trying to get. Sources? No, I'm not. Well, I am asking. Like no, well, if you will let me finish. <laughs> He's a pit bull. Are you and you had conversations with him? Not you said you weren't going to uh, agree to who your sources were. I'm not asking you your source. I'm asking you if you had conversations you just ask with that. the owner of Twitter. And did Mr. Musk place any conditions on your use of the emails or documents? No. The, in fact, I was told uh, explicitly that um, we were. Uh, given license to look at present-day Twitter as well as past Twitter. So you had unfiltered access to Twitter's internal communications and systems? She guesses. Would far. those include HR files? No, 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 no. We, 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 didn't, we did not have access to personal information of any kind. In uh -huh. fact, we, we signed a waiver. Um, Oops. Uh, have you produced that waiver to the uh, members of anyone on this committee or any staff? I'd be happy to have you. It. I haven't, but I'd be happy. Have you uh, given all of the access right, to what you were given? <laughs> this is, uh, this is what someone with an IQ. This is what happens IQ. with stupid people this to is, the questioning. Yes. This is someone with an IQ of 10 trying to prove that her IQ is 50. That That's what that is right there. Good <laughs> <laughs> Lord. <laughs> All right, 13 to the hour, live from Studio 6B. So let's get to my favorite exchange of the day in the Twitter files, and that would be Representative Garcia from, shockingly, from Texas, Democrat from Texas. Well, and let's just say, I don't, I don't know what she does in her spare time, but it's not... Um, <laughs> it's not education-related? It's not... It's, I don't know, man. Here you go, Representative Garcia. Cut five, G. Roll that. Mr. Taibbi, um, I want to follow up a little bit on the ranking member's questions. Oh, boy. Um, what was the first time that Mr. Musk approached you about writing uh, uh, the Twitter files? Again, Congresswoman, that would... Uh, I just need a date, sir. But I can't give it to you, unfortunately, because this, this is a question of sourcing, and I don't give up. I'm it's a journalist. A, I don't reveal my sources. It's a question of chronology. No, that's a question because of Because you earlier said that, that <laughs> someone had sent you through the Internet some message about whether or not you would be interested in some information. Yes, and I refer to that person as a source. So you're not going to tell us when yes. Musk first approached you? <laughs> right. <laughs> this could be crazy thing. Again, Congresswoman, so you're, asking me to yes no? you're asking a journalist to reveal so a source. So then you consider Mr. Musk to be the direct source of all this? <laughs> Oh, boy. Trick no, now you're, you're trying to get me to say that he is the source. I, 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 well, I just can't answer your question. Well, it either is or he isn't. If you're telling me you can't answer because it's your source, well, then that the only logical conclusion is that he is, in fact, your source. Well, you're free to Not conclude that. 
Well, sir, I just don't understand. You can't have He's it both so ways, but let's move on. Cause no, he can. He's a journalist. No, he can't, because either Musk is the source and he can't talk about it, or Musk is not the source. And if Musk is not the source, <laughs> then he can discuss No one has yielded. The gentlelady's out of order. You don't get and to speak. And she's out of order because he's interrupted. The gentlelady's not recognized. you're not recognizing my time. He has not said that. But he has said is he's not going to reveal his source. And the fact that Democrats are pressuring him to do so is such an honor. We're asking him about his conversations with Musk. Not yielded you time. You don't. Get I have to not just talk yielded time her. to anybody. I want to reclaim my time, and I would ask the chairman to give me back some of the time because of the interruption. Mr. Chairman, I am asking you if you will give me the seconds that I lost. We will give ten you seconds. that ten seconds. Thank you. <laughs> now let's talk about another uh, item that you, when you responded right. to the yes. ranking member, you said that you had free license to look at everything, but yet you yourself posted on your, your um, I guess it's kind of like a web page, I don't quite understand what Substack is, but uh, that She's really what insane. I can say is that Oh, these people. In exchange for the opportunity to cover a unique and explosive story, I had to agree to certain conditions. What were those conditions? She asked you that question, and you said you had none, but you yourself posted that you had conditions. No, the, the conditions, as I've explained multiple times. No, uh, sir, you've not explained. You told her, her in response to her question that you had no conditions. In fact, you, you kind of used the word license, that you were free to look at all of them, all 100,000 emails. I was, the question was posed, was, was I free to, to write about? Sir, did you have any conditions? The condition was that we published Sir, did you Twitter. have any conditions, yes or no? A simple question. I'm you. Yes. All right, could you tell us what conditions <laughs> those were? The conditions were an attribution, sources at Twitter, and that we, we break any news on Twitter. But you didn't break it on Twitter. Did you send the file that you released today to Twitter first? <laughs> yes. No idea what she did. Did I send the? Sir, actually, I'm I did. You today. Yes. Yeah. You, you did. You send it to Twitter first. The Twitter that was one of the conditions. <laughs> the yes Twitter or no, files? sir. Uh, yeah. The Twitter files thread actually did come out first. <laughs> Went on but Twitter. But sir, you you said earlier that you had to attribute all the sources to Twitter first. She's so What you released today? So did you send that to <laughs> Twitter first? Biden sounds like. No, no, no. I post. I posted William it on Twitter. William <laughs> First, sir, or did you give it to the ranking member, to the chairman of the committee, or the staff of the committee first? He's like, how was I ever a Democrat? Well, that's not breaking the story. That's giving. Yes, I did. I did give. Uh, so you gave all the information that you did not give to the Democrats. You gave it to the Republicans first. Then you put it on Twitter. Actually, no. The chronology is a little bit confused. Well, then, more then or tell less us the what the chronology time. was. Shut up and let him talk. I believe the thread came out first. Where? On Twitter. <laughs> Twitter. <laughs> who's on first? And you yes. afterwards gave it to the Republicans and not the Democrats. What's on second? Yes, I don't know I'm submitting it for the record as my, as my statement. Did you give it to him in advance? I gave it to them today. You gave it to them today, but you still have not given anything to the Democrats. Well, I'll, I'll, again, I'll move on. And I wanted to ask uh, <laughs> Mr. Schellenberger Listen. the same question, sir. When did you first... Uh, visit with or get contacted by Mr. Musk. I'm not going to reveal my sources, but like I said, I was invited by Barry Weiss. Listen, I'm not asking for sources, sir. I'm just asking yeah, for chronology. I was, when did you first make contact with Mr. Musk? I don't know the exact date. Was it? It was December. It was December. 
December of, well, there's a lot of Decembers in December history. December of last year. Which, which December? December of last year, ma'am. Last December year, of 1969. Uh, yes. All right. Listen, listen. Now, in, uh, in your discussion, in your answer, you also said that you were invited by a friend, Barry Weiss? My friend, Barry Weiss. She's so no this idea. friend works for Twitter, or what is, what is her? Oh, uh, my God. She's a journalist. Sir, I didn't ask you a question. I'm, I'm not asking you a question. Barry Weiss is a journalist. I'm sorry, sir? She's a journalist. She's a journalist. Do you work in concert with her? Um, yeah. Do you know when she first uh, was contacted by Mr. Musk? I, I don't know. You don't know. So you're in this as a threesome? <laughs> um, there was many more people involved than yeah, that. There was many more people involved. Are you being paid to be here today, either through consulting fees, no. campaign contributions, or the next one? No, absolutely not. Do you have an interview no, ladies, scheduled after this hearing? Expired. Absolutely not. No, ladies, time Thank has expired. You. Thank you. I just, I don't know what to say other than I'll, I'll recognize the gentleman from North Dakota for five minutes. <laughs> That wow. Is, That's the five minutes of the day, right? Oh, Dude, that, my God. Man. That is your government is stupid. That, at work. That is your government at work. What? Where, where's the, where does she get elected? Where, that really who is lives stupid. In, who lives yeah, there? that is stupid. Wow. Who, where, where does she get elected from? Somewhere in Texas. Oh, my God. Good God. My this favorite part all is when... elections are rigged. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My favorite part is when she's asking about the condition, and he's trying to tell her the condition was, and she says, "Was there or was there or was there not a condition?" He says, "Yes." Yeah. Okay, what was the condition? She was about to tell you what the condition was. <laughs> that is unbelievable. Oh, that was funny. That was my. Favorite is that priceless. unbelievable? That's our government. So, the, so, so <laughs> she's wondering where you, where you sent it to. So, so uh, Substack. Uh, <laughs> well, the fact that she, the fact that she's like so so then you 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 put this out uh, and and wh where was this? Uh, Twitter. It's the Twitter files, you dope. So you guys are in this <laughs> as a threesome. <laughs> the reactions of the guys behind him were priceless. Yeah, one guy was furious, the other guy was hysterical, and the other guy was baffled. Even one of the camera guys was losing it the whole time. <laughs> he was. They were losing it. Because oh they don't God. know what to do. It's now, it's, th there is no covering this up. That's the problem. They've run out of ways to cover up their crime. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. It was right. great. Isn't that the greatest threat to democracy? Oh it's a republic. Lord. Oh, man, that is beautiful. Uh, WTF in a day, G, roll it. I'm crazy. I mean, one of the young leaders oh, was talking to me about... Climate mental health. I said, huh? tell me what's going on Climate with your peers. Mental Climate mental health. Is that and like worrying if it's going to rain when I you go on I vacation? I think I understand that, but unpack <laughs> it for me. And she talked about how her peers are thinking about it. One example is, you know, whether when they're ready, could they start a family? Worried about what that would mean. And the stress of it. They were talking about it in terms of their peers. Trying to figure out, you know, they're going to have to get a job and they're going to have to make a living, but what can they oh do God. and how can they adapt the education that they're having now to their activism? Oh, hope there's oh not too much asphalt God. where they live, too. Oh, my God. If you got to link your education to your activism. I'd like to see her and the other one who just asked the questions out at dinner one night. Let's get that conversation recorded. They're both licking. And the guy from Guam. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to triple. <laughs> well, huh?
What? How would they divide the check? As, <laughs> as always, we salute everybody. Thanks, everyone, on this show. <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow. Oh, man. <laughs>